0: Thank you, Brother Brendan. Open your Bibles, please. The book of Hebrews today. The book of Hebrews. It's in the New Testament. I believe written by the Apostle Paul. Twelve times you'll find the little phrase, let us, let us. God's lettuce patch. Let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 2 and Hebrews chapter 6. If you're there, would you say amen? amen? Chapter two of the book of Hebrews. Let me get a little volume on my hearing aids if I could, please. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip or drift. For the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him? Chapter 6, verse 17. Wherein God, willingly, willing more abundantly, to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things to which it was impossible for God to lie. Let me just put an emphasis right there. It is impossible for God to lie, all God's people said. Amen. We might have strong consolations who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for for us entered, even Jesus, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Father, honor your word today. Thank you for the song about the word of God. Thank you for the truth that we read just now from the book of Hebrews. Father, help me to be a blessing today. I need help. I need fresh oil. I need a fresh touch of the Master's hand upon my lips, upon my throat. I pray, God, you'll give me exactly what I need. May I be in the leadership of the Holy Spirit throughout the sermon. And may, God, you get honor and glory for it. And I will thank you for it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. And you may be seated. I title of the message today and probably tonight, the Lord willing, Aimless or Anchored? Are you aimless or are you anchored? When I read the context of the verses, many folks think it's talking about those who are unsaved. He's talking to the Christians, talking to the Jews who have been converted into Christianity and giving them some advice because they were in danger of drifting away from the truth of God. Nobody's immune to what I'm going to talk about today. And some folks in this room perhaps have already drifted. You may be drifting now. You may be on the verge of great despair and don't realize it. And yet we realize today that the Word of God is fresh and is able to meet every need we have for every generation. And I'm glad what God gave to Paul to give the Jews of that day about how you're going to escape if you neglect so great the salvation. And may I just add an addendum right here before we get down to my outline. Salvation is great. I mean, it's given to us by a great God, and all God's people say it. I mean, the greatest gift that was ever given was given on the cross of Calvary over 2,000 years ago. And in that great uh, gift that God gives involved eternal life, that we'll be able to live forever. So have a great salvation that's going to last forever and forever and forever and forever. Somebody says, preachers, anybody ever tell you to go to purgatory? Yes, a few times. I don't even like to use the word, but many folks use the word Hell. As a byword. Some of you probably use it this week. You need to clean up your mouth and then get some sanctified common sense and use some words that are becoming of a child of God, especially if you're telling somebody to go to a place of purgatory, a place where you burn forever. I'm glad I'm not going to hell. Why don't you get mad at me sometimes? Just say, Won't you go to heaven? <laughs> don't that sound a lot better than saying going to hell? But so if you neglect your salvation, <clears throat> not you're gonna go to hell but because you're in despair of causing others to go to hell. Others are watching your life and watching my life and how important it is. There's a common denominator in these verses that I read today. They have to do with ships and oceans and anchors, and etc. It's all in the mariner's life. And he said in one passage, he said, I want you to take more, more heed." in chapter 2. Let's go back there for just a moment. Chapter 2. The Bible says... Therefore, we ought to give more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. That that language is to the captain of the soul, captain of the ship, is to be pay attention, uh, give some more uh, desire and more work at going to the to the harbor, the are going to the harbor that God intended for us to go to as a Christian, and how important that is, lest at any time you should let them slip or drift. Past or drift away. Let me read it again so I get it right this time. Therefore, based on what I've already said about Jesus in chapter 1, we ought to, ought is a command. We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Pay attention to what's been heard. Not only pay attention with what's been heard, but do what's been said if it's truth. And so often it is we hear a lot and we have our ears on, but we don't listen. We may try to listen, but we've let things drift by. Probably most of us in this room uh, have forgotten many sermons, and I have. I think we all have. If I ask you tonight what I preached on today, some of you may be able to remember, some may not. I'm not saying you've got to remember everything I say, and I'm not saying that I've got to remember everything a preacher says. But if you get one thought out of what a preacher says, just one thought that can kindle a fire in your soul to help you live a Christian life, pay attention pay attention. Because the devil is out to ruin, wreck, and destroy your life. He's out to devour you. The Bible says he's like a roaring lion seeking him may devour. You say, preacher, the devil's no match for me, then you're a fool. You're no match for him. The devil's been around a long, long time. And there's no way I can conquer the devil today. No way that I can overcome him. Except by the grace of God there is no temptation taken me but such as common to man. But God who is faithful will not have me to be tempted or tested over that which I have committed unto him. I don't know what I'm gonna go through before my life is over. You don't know what you're gonna go through through your life is over. But the devil knows every weak spot you got, and he's gonna pound away at those weak spots to get you to drift away from God. He knows your strong points. If he doesn't get you on your weak spots, he'll get you on your strong points. He knows exactly where to hammer. He knows exactly where to try to break the chain. He knows how to try to get you discouraged and despondent and to run your life and run your life and head down the ship of sea of life into despair. And how sad it is that so often many folks that once used to serve God do not serve God anymore. They quit serving God. Why would you quit serving God? If you're here today, you used to be on fire for the Lord. Why aren't you on fire for the Lord today? Now, all of us change. I'm 77 years old, and I know I don't look 77. If you would encourage me a little bit, I'd appreciate that. I don't look 77. I'm handsome. Don't lie, don't lie, don't lie. Mind don't work like it used to. Body don't function like it used to. But I'm still in the battle. And I want to battle until the end of the time comes in my life. I was somebody this week, and I have been publicly, I have a little speech impediment because of my physical problem, and sometimes it doesn't come out the way I think it ought to be coming out. And, and I said, I'll stutter till Jesus comes if I have to. But I don't want to be displeasant in my preaching. I want a message to echo and reverberate from my, my, from my mouth that's pleasing to God and he can take you by the stuttering and get right down to the real message that God has for us remember years ago we had an old preacher preach for us brother Fred probably remember who he was Uh, but uh, he uh, he was uh, had speech impediment what was his name Fred? George uh, uh, my mind just went blank he'll come to me about midnight I'll call you Uh, oh good friend preached here several times anyhow we call him good friend Joe. But he got saved, and he had an impediment in his speech. He said, I want to tell you what the Lord did for me. You said, boy, how could you listen to that very long? You listen to it. You'll be blessed. And finally, God called him to preach. And he said, he said I went down to the woods. And I said, "Word, I can't preach. And Ward said, "You can preach," and he said, "Now he didn't stutter, but I did. God didn't stutter one bit." He said, "Clarence, you preach." He said, "I can't preach. I can't preach, Ward. You know where I'm at. You know how my voice is. I can't preach, Clarence." But Clarence has his name. Finally, Brother Clarence got on his knees inside that old tree. He said, "Ward, if you can use me, if you can take my impediment speech and use it for your glory." I'll be glad to preach for you. And he preached until the day he died and pastored the church, but he had an impediment in his speech. And you'd notice that. He said, in case you don't know it, I done the impediment in my speech. And just talked sort of like the rabbits talk sometimes. It's just amazing. I was in a meeting one time when he was preaching to probably two or three hundred preachers were there, or at least a hundred preachers, plus the congregation, the folks were there in the convention. They had him preaching. And uh, they had the we had the greatest preachers probably that were in the assembly in that building that day, guys who knew how to preach and could pre- preach the glory down well God, God, he got to get us to preach, so he he, don't, he he he's on the agenda, and he got to preach he preached, he read his scripture. And the power of God fell upon his life. And the anointing of the Lord was on his ministry. Even though he had the impediment speech, the entirety of his sermon, God still was able to go past the impediment and get right down the very heart of the message that every one of us needed. And before long, folks were raising their hand and saying, glory to God. And I'm glad for the fact that God can take any of us with our liabilities. And by the way, all you are is dirt. I mean, that's all you are. You're a ball of dirt. You say, that's not very complimentary. Well, let me say it again so you'll get it. You're not very complimentary apart from God. You're nothing. and Neither am I. I'm just a ball of dirt made from the dust of the earth. From dust we came, from dust we'll go. And one day our bodies will go back and dissipate in the dust of this world. But I'm glad God can take dirt Fill it with the power of God, the Holy Spirit of God. Transform folks' lives. Encourage them in the battle and be a blessing in this journey of life. So no matter where you're at in the journey, don't let the devil rob you of your victory. Don't let the devil rob you and drift, cause you to drift on the sea of life. Therefore, take the more earnest heed. Listen up. Pay attention. Pay attention. Years ago, I used to love to play baseball and some of you love to play sports and I'm still waiting on the Dodgers to call me. Come play for the Los Angeles Dodgers in baseball. I love the Dodgers. I followed them when they were in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York, when I was a kid. So I followed them for many, many years. But I can imagine a baseball player. Let's say the catcher, uh, Roseboro, I think, Roxborough. What was his his name, Tommy? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. who was a catcher? Can you imagine him catching this way? He's behind the plate. One of the best pitchers on the other team was up to. Pitch, and he was to catch, or the best best pitcher for our and their team was on pitch, and the batter was up, the opposing team. Can you imagine the catcher going, "Hey, mom, there's my mother right over there. Here comes a baseball." John, listen, pay attention, pay attention. He did it so many times. He just got bored. He just sat back and got bored. Let's say, why well, so? Catching the baseball, catching the baseball, catching the baseball. Just got bored the whole game. Sitting there thinking about fried chicken and mashed potatoes. Well, didn't have his mind at all on the game, just bored. Now, that wasn't true of him, but for illustration purpose, let me let it be him. He got bored. He got tired. He got distracted from fans in the stand, waving to folks, waving to his mother, his mind was not on the ball game at all, and here he is playing baseball professionally, or he's playing for a high school team, or an elementary team. How many times we've told kids, "Pay attention, keep your mind on the ball." Learning to play ball in the outfield, little kids sometimes will stand out there, and here comes a ball, and they're going—they could catch it easily if they'd run over just a few steps. They just stand there like this. They're hoping some way, electronically, that ball is going to turn he come right to their glove. Catch the ball, John! Pay attention! Right in his face. Because he wasn't paying attention. And so easy it is in our Christian life to let the devil throw things at us that throws us off course, gets us defeated and discouraged and run some problems that are not good. But a guy, if he's going to be playing baseball or football or any kind of other sports, he needs to pay attention to what he's doing. Uh, he cannot win the game goofing off. He can't win the game trying to um, try to satisfy all the whims and fancies of your life. So here it is. You can pay attention listen, but pay attention to the difference. In li- you're listening to me right now. You're listening to me right now. You are listening to me right now. But are you paying attention? I'm listening to you right now, preacher. But are you paying attention? Are you paying attention to your Christian life? Am I? What attacks you? What goes after you? What sort of works on your mind and emotions and your inner being that nobody else knows about? The devil knows exactly if he's been at you a long time trying to get you defeated, discouraged, and get you out of the will of God. And so it is when we live our Christian life, if we're not careful, uh, we'll forget the importance of this old ship that we're in on the sea of life. We're going forward and then somewhere it's got to drop anchor in the harbor on the other side. We want to safely arrive at our destination. We don't want to go down in despair. There's been many Christians who've gotten out of the will of God, and many Christians have fallen from grace, from grace of God. Not that they lost their salvation. They just fell from the grace of God. They used to talk about amazing grace, how sweet the sound. They say to us like me, they can't hardly sing anymore because the joy is not there. The thrill's not there. They're just functioning. They're going through the motions of being a Christian. By grace are you saved. By grace are you kept saved. And by grace you'll make it all the way to the other side. But the fact is, if you're not careful, you'll let the devil detour you, get you sidetracked. He said, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? For if the word was spoken by angels, was steadfast. And it was. And every transgression and disobedience received just recompense of reward. If they fail, God judged them. If He judged the angels of sin, don't you think He's going to judge you and me? How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, which was confirmed unto us by them that hurt Him? God also bearing them with, with witness, both with signs and wonders, and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His own will." For unto the angels hath he not put into subjection the world to come whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou hast visited him? How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Divine attention to what God has to say. Are we listening to what God has to say? When we read the Bible, do we listen to what God has to say? Or do we read the Bible just readily and quickly to get through it? say a few words and speak a few words and read a few words or do we listen to what he's saying he that hath ears to hear let him what let him hear he that hath ears to hear let him hear and if I'm going to avoid the the downfall in my Christian life if you're going to avoid the downfall in your Christian life I've got to listen to what God says and God sometimes allows circumstances on the sea of life, the waves of billow; um, they're high, the storms come, the battles rage. And all that is intended to help us to be stronger in the Lord and to be faithful to the Lord. And may God help us not to drift away from God's truth and God's way. Uh, have ears to hear. Listen to what God has to say. Back to Hebrews chapter 6. Those words like anchor. There's an anchor for my soul. I have three songs before me about anchor anchor, the storms of life. I'm not going to sing none of them, and I'm not going to read all three of them, but I do want to read one. Listen very carefully. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life? Will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the strong tides lifts and the gables and the gables strain... Will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot be moved. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love, it is safely moored till the storm withstand, for it is well secured by the Savior's hand. And the cables pass from his heart to mine, can defy the blast through, through, through strength divine. It will firmly hold in the straits of fear, when the breakers have told the reef is near, though the tempest rave and the wild winds blow, not an angry wave shall ever bark our overflow. It will safely hold in the floods of death, when the waters cold chill our last breath. Oh, the rising tide! It shall! It can never fail, while our hope is abide within the veil. Now I go back to chapter six, to the Hebrews, and I'll be through. Verse 17, wherein God willingly more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel. He cannot lie. He cannot lie. He says the anchor will hold. The anchor will hold. Storms all around us. Pressures all around us. Problems all around us. Difficulties all around us. Tears are down in our eyes. Wondering if we are going to make it the next day and the devil keeps on bombarding and pressuring And those who started out years ago have dropped by the wayside. They used to be on the firing line. used to be in the choir. But they quit singing. They quit going to church. What happened? They used to read the Bible regularly and they got tired of reading the Bible. Why? You begin to drift. See, you're you're listening, but you're not paying attention. That's what happens to us. Preacher gets up and says, you ought to read your Bible. I'm not saying you've got to read so much every day, but I do believe you ought to read the Word of God. And how many times that's been talk to us or listen to listen to the Word of God if you can't read the Word of God because you may go blind someday and you may have to have somebody read it to you or you may have to have just listen with your ears if you go deaf what you're going to do you better load up the boat while you're going through life and get all you can of the Word of God on the inside to help you with the strains and the troubles and the trials and the heartaches that come and so it is with our Christian life we can read the Word of God have you ever read the Word of God and then if somebody said, did you read the Bible today? Uh, yes, sir. What would you get out of it? Well, I don't really remember. I said, what book was it in? Well, uh, I think it was in the Gospels. Was it Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? Well, I, I think it was John. Well, what chapter did John did you read? Well, I don't remember what chapter I read. What verse did you read? I, I don't remember what verse it was. They are listening, but they're not paying attention. They heard what they read with their audible ears, but then pay attention to what the Bible had to say. If the Bible is true, and it is, and the Bible says that it's been confirmed by an oath, that by immutable things too, which was impossible for God to lie, whosoever believe in the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. That's a promise. We cannot grasp it, we cannot understand it completely. But those who have been saved by God's grace have been saved by God's grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself, but is the gift of God. He said, I want you to know that it's impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation or comfort who have fled for refuge to a hold upon the hope set before us. What's your hope at? Hope is not a wishful thinking in the Bible. We're saved by hope. Hope is confirmation of the immutable laws, of God Almighty, that He cannot lie. It is not, I hope I'm going to heaven. It's not that I wish I'd go to heaven. If I've been saved, I'm going to heaven. You say, Preacher, do I have to go? Whether I want to or not, you want to go. I've never met anybody who wants to wants, wants to go to hell. There may be some around, but I don't recall anybody who says, Boy, I can't wait to go to hell if they're non believers. A non believer goes through life, and if you pressure them, do you want to go to heaven when you die? Yes. You don't want to go to hell? Preacher, I don't want to go to hell. Would you like to be saved? Someday. Sometime. And they drift and they drift and they drift and they drift. Out on the storms of life come their way. And they keep drifting and drifting. Before long you go over the precipice. You may go over the falls down to the rocky uh, river and hit the rocks and go and bust, bust yourself all up. You may even die at the end of your trip and not go to heaven, but going to hell. Do you want to go to hell? No. Only escape from hell is Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me, saith the Lord. How important that is in our Christian walk with God to realize the immutable God who cannot lie, that we may have strong comfort, strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have an anchor of the soul, an anchor. Of a soul. And then he adds two other words sure, steadfast, that which entereth into that within the veil. It says, whether the forerunner is for us to enter, even Jesus, let me read it again, whether the forerunner is for us entered, past tense. Even Jesus made as a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. What Jesus did is become the forerunner. As the forerunner, he went straight to the mercy seat of heaven and took the little boat out because the anchor is out here in the deep sea. And Jesus went all the way through the deep sea, took the little boat out, took it toward the mercy seat, went to the mercy seat, put the blood on the mercy seat of heaven and dropped anchor. And dropped anchor there. That eventually used was a wrench to pull everybody else right on in to the place that God has for them. He went in the Holy of Holies and paid the sin debt for all of our sins, became the forerunner. Jesus Christ died for our sins, paid a debt for our sin, shed His blood for our sins. The steadfast and sure, it's been given to us. He cannot lie. He wants us to have it. He wants us to go to heaven, and He's faithful. Let's don't drift by and run our life on the way to heaven. See, you can go to heaven and miss the, miss the will of God for your life. You can go to heaven and be there for eternity. Somebody said, well, preacher, if I'm going to heaven, what difference does it make whether I live right or not? Well, let me tell you this if you're saved, you want to live right. Amen. I think it was Brendan in Sunday school, who was was, t- maybe it was today, talking about being imperfect, and everybody knows Brendan knows he's imperfect. Everybody knows Brian is visiting with Dave, used to teach his class some. Brian. Your wife would tell you right now, you're imperfect. And if you don't believe her, believe God. God said you was. And I'm not perfect either. I'm going to get there on my perfection. I'm going to get there because of His perfection. I'm not going to get there because of my righteousness, because my righteousness is as filthy rags. I'm going to get there by the righteousness of God, for He was made sin for us, who so you know sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. The word righteousness means right living God allows me to be right, and my filthy rags are good for nothing except to, to be thrown away. But God takes my life and begins to work in it more work on it and work around it. He takes my life after I've been saved. He wants to develop me. He wants to mold me. He wants to make me more like the Lord Jesus Christ every day. And one day He wants to present me before the Father in heaven. Here are they they came. These are the ones that trust in Christ. Father, I present to you my bride. I present to you my bride. And sometimes the bride has to be sort of washed up a little bit before they get there. I believe the judgment seat of Christ will take care of a lot of things, but there's going to be some times in our life, even in eternity, when we Christians stand before the judgment seat of Christ, that God's going to have to do some cleaning up of us. Why'd you do that? Why was your motive for that? Why did you work for me? How come the pride and the envy and the jealousy and the bickering and all you had in your Christian life? You shouldn't have had that. I gave you an example of my own life and I promised you I'd be steadfast and sure and the Word of God would be sufficient for your life. I want you to know you don't have to go through life as somebody who's always down, always discouraged. I want to help you to live the Christian life. Yet, you can go to heaven discouraged. You say, preacher, I won't be discouraged no more. No, you won't. You go to heaven with doubts. You won't have any more doubts after you get to heaven. What difference does it make? It makes all the difference in the world that I'm influencing somebody else for time and eternity. If you were arrested for being a Christian today, is there enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? We bring you on trial, and the attorney asks, John Doe, what's your name? John Doe. What's your full name? John Ralph Doe. John, are you a Christian? If you died right now, would you go to heaven? And John says, yes, I'm saved. I'd go to heaven if I would die right now. Well, John, if I called your wife up, would she testify to you a Christian? If anybody knows us better than anybody else outside the Lord, it's our mate. My wife knows me inside and out. And uh, I know her pretty well. It was at a birthday celebration yesterday, and they played a little game about how well do you know the person that was being honored in their, in their, in their birthday celebration. And My wife and I was going home. She said, what, what, "What would you say about some of those questions that uh, they asked her, or asked us to say about her? What's your favorite candy? Uh, you know what your wife's favorite candy is? Don't know, don't care. Well, that's a great attitude to have? <laughs> you better care a little bit. What's her favorite color? What's her favorite meal?" What's her favorite game she plays? What's her favorite this? What's her favorite dress? Now, I've been married, and Nancy's been married too. We'd been married the same length of time. <laughs> got married in 1968 over here across town. I was nervous as a wreck. I looked like a penguin with a bow tie and black pants. I, I paid $10 for a dinner jacket and a pair of black pants and a bow tie. That's where I got married in. Waited to go out and rent you a tux. Didn't have no money. If I was going to get my wife to have a ring, and that wasn't the most expensive ring in town either. But I couldn't afford to have my tux and rings same time. Never told nobody that. First time I ever said it publicly. Couldn't afford it. But she wasn't marrying somebody who was wealthy. She probably knew I wasn't. She maybe thought I was, but I wasn't. I thought I was marrying her for money till the first year I realized we're going bankrupt. <laughs> we didn't have much at all. But I found out we had God and made a little difference in life. So if you ask me questions about my wife, I'd get it pretty well on target. I can tell you what her favorite candy is just about. She's changed over the years. And she used to like those little, what's the word? Little, little strips of honey, 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 honey. What? You all know what my wife likes to do? I appreciate you bringing her some. But she switched over recently, I guess because of age. She likes Three Musketeers. Wow, because they're soft. Reminds me of me when she bites down on a Three Musketeer. She knows what my favorite candy is. She knows what my favorite food is. She knows what my favorite sports figures are. She knows that I'm a Dodger fan. She knows that I'm a North Carolina fan. She knows a lot about my interests in life. She knows my favorite verse of Scripture. Have you ever heard your you mate pray? Have you ever heard your wife pray or your husband pray? Anybody knows you're going to be your wife or your husband going to know you if you live together any length of time. They're going to know if you're a Christian or are you one of those kind of guys or one of those kind of women that just ever radiates it at home. you stubborn, mean, angry, fussy all the time. I tell you what can solve that is a good trip to the altar. Because we've got to be Christ-like. Because if you're not careful, the marriage can dissipate and ruin because of our attitudes toward each other. How shall we escape if we neglect their salvation? Salvation encompasses past, present, and future. I have been justified. Justified means I'm not guilty in the eyes of God. It's a legal term where God declares me saved, justified in His eyes. I am not guilty in the great halls of God's judgment. In the great God's presence, He finds me not guilty. I've been set free. All my sins have been paid for. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. I've been justified. Just as if I'd never sinned, in the presence of God, God has justified me legally, dogmatically, from the cross of Calvary, and by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, I've been justified but also been sanctified. Sanctified means set apart for the Master's use. You see, you're saved to serve, not to sit. You're saved to be involved, not just to go through the motions. Why has God left you behind? Many folks here remember me talking about it. I've done it several times. One of the best things we could probably do for most Christians is once they get saved, is get a ball bat after we baptize. And once they come out of the baptizing pool, Take a ball back, hit him in the head, hit him to heaven. That's what they'll to do to me if I'm not going to work for God. What's, what's my job? Find out what God wants you to do. How do I find out the will of God? Reading the Word of God, staying faithful. Go to Sunday school. Go to preaching. Go pay him service. Pay him service. Go to every service you can, unless you're to enter. Read the Bible at home. Listen to what God has say, and pay attention. You'll be amazed what God may lay on your heart to do. But be willing to do what God wants you to do. Make yourself available to God. Sanctification is a process. Justification is past tense. They were all done in the past tense in God's mind because he sees past, present, and future. But he justified us as though we're not sinners in the eyes of God. Jesus took my sins in his own body and kneeled on the cross of Calvary. And I've been justified just as if I'd never sinned. I'm in the court now, not guilty, James. I can bow my unworthy head and say, to God be the glory. Great things He hath done. He has justified me through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He sanctified me and set me apart. And that process begins, at justification. And that process continues all the days of my life. I'm to be holy. That's what the word sanctification means. I'm to be pure. You say, preacher, I'm not very holy. Don't you have a desire to be holy? You say, preacher, there's some things in my life that's not becoming of a Christian. Don't you think it's about time we deal with it? Don't you think we just be honest with God? How shall we escape if we neglect salvation? How are we going to escape it? I mean, God has done a marvelous thing and given to us salvation, past, present, and future. Past, I'm justified. Presently, I'm being sanctified. I'm not the man I used to be. At 77 years of age, I'm being saved since I was nine years of age. Now, you can do the math, that's a long time. I'm not being everything I ought to be. But I have more desire today to live right than I ever have before in my life. I cannot be perfect, I realize that. You say, Preacher, why even try? Because God says I want you to follow my footsteps. Come follow me, I'll help you. You think the Lord's gonna leave you out there to hang to dry and help you not help you? A great God of heaven who hung the moon by night and the sun by day and the stars by night and all the twinkling that goes on in the universe and God who made all that was made. And God had reached down to the banks of the Euphrates River, got him some mud and clay and molded out a man and breathed in his nostrils was the breath of life. And when he saw Adam, he said, this is very good. This is good. Look what I've done. This is good. He made man to rule over the world. He made man to be in the, in the Garden of Eden. He chose him a wife because he saw it was not good for Adam to be alone. Adam saw it was not good to be alone. Adam was responsible for num- numbering or naming all the animals of the world. Read that recently again. Adam named every animal that was to be named Mr and Mrs. Lion, Mr. And Mrs. Bear, Mr and Mrs. Tiger, Mr. And Mrs. Elephant. Right down the line, he named them. When he got through, he looked around and saw a Mr. and Mrs. for every Christian of God. But one none for him. And he was alone. And God saw it was not good for him to be alone. So God put him to sleep one night. Reached down and did the first miracle of doctoring. Reached in and got a rib out of Adam's body. And made woe man, woman. And Adam woke up from anesthesia. He saw standing before him a perfect tin. And he said in the Hebrew language, Wow, look what I got. <laughs> and God gave Adam Eve, who became the mother of all living. But when it came down time to deal with the sin question, Eve, tempted by the devil, gave in and then gave to her husband, and he did eat. It was not Eve's sin that plunged the world into depravity, by one man sin into the world. And sin passed upon all men because all of sin and come short of the glory of God because of one man. What would we be for Adam? You say, still in the Garden of Eden. I doubt it. Because we were all tested in the same areas. And we failed and, fal- and faltered. But God wanted to sanctify us after we got right. He wanted to make us better. He wanted, to do, wanted us to be cleaner and more godlier. And lastly, Not only does God justify us and I'm being just just as if I never sinned. God looks at me today in all my imperfection. He looks at my impurities from time to time in my life. He doesn't see my sins. He sees His Son. I don't deserve that. I deserve to die in my sins and burn forever in hell. But grace, marvelous grace, reaching farther down that I can reach up. God, reach me up from the miry clay and planted my feet on the solid rock and established my going, put a song in my heart. I'm glad for that. I want to please Him. Oh, Lord, help me to be sanctified daily. Sanctify me today. Help me to be cleansed. You say, preacher, what do you do when you sin? Confess it pretty quickly. How many times have you heard a preacher say this? Confess your sins quickly. Have short sin accounts. Don't let them build up. As soon as you sin, confess it to God. Amen. You say, Preacher, what good does that do? Because you want to keep the fellowship with God. See, sin hinders fellowship. It doesn't hinder relationship. It hinders fellowship. And that fellowship is hindered when we fail to obey God. And some people have gone on for years just keep on sinning, drifting farther and farther away from the place they ought to be. And sometimes they go to sleep on God. He talks about awake to righteousness, awake to right living. They just drift. They wonder what's going on. They wonder what's like it is. They wonder why all the trouble and problems they're having. and We all have troubles and problems, but we wonder why things are like they are. And then there's that area of our life that's not been confessed to God. It's like Samson who stood as a mighty man and a mighty deliverer of Israel, but he wished not that the Spirit of God departed from him. David even said after he committed adultery in Bathsheba, he said, the Spirit of God, take not thy spirit away from me. Don't take your power away from me. And we don't talk about salvation, talk about the relationship, this fellowship that they had together. Samson woke woke up, shook himself after he failed to be obedient to God in the Nazarite vow. And Samson, in that crucial day of his life, when he wished not that the Spirit of God had departed from him if his power was gone you drift, you drift, you drift, you drift you live your life the way you want to you do what you want to do not what God wants you to do if it feels good you do it that's not the, that's not the answer you do it regardless if God tells you to do it to the best of your ability just do it there's folk in this church today who come who don't need to be here they would probably better at home than being, in bed, sick but they come sometimes you can't come We've got folks sick tonight. They can't come to church. And they need to be here as soon as possible, as soon as quick as they can. But try to do your very best not to miss church. And When you're feeling bad, do the best you can. If you can't come, don't come. Stay home. Nobody's telling people who are sick to come to church. we got some folk here sick today. They want to be in church, and sometimes it's a big decision to make. Should I go or should I not go? If I had my brother's day, i just roll over in bed and stayed in bed. Boy, it was nice. It's comfortable. Cold outside. just stick sticky foot outside the day and say, "Well, go to church? Who's crazy?" On a cold day like today. Remember those days when we used to have to have the battery jumped off on the buses, spread? Remember when some of the guys used to have to lay on the concrete floor or on the on the pavement, trying to get a bus running on a day for a bus ministry. It makes all the difference in the world. Just a desire, desire, desire. Find what God wants you to do and do it with all your might. Sanctification, and I'm through. Justification and justice is a nearest sin against God, not guilty in the court of God's heaven. Sanctification, I've been set apart for the Master's use. I am to be holy. Be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed by, by the mercies of God, be ye transformed. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you be to transform, not conform this world, but transform. A transformation needs to take place as we get closer and closer to God. So I close with this hour to look more like Jesus today than I did when I started as a nine-year-old boy. I failed and faltered and failed along the way, but he sanctifies me. As I surrender back to him, Lord, forgive me of my sins, keep short sin accounts, I grow, and in the third stage of salvation I'm through. It's called glorification. Justification, though I've never seen the eyes of God, I've been found not guilty That doesn't give me a license to sin. I am free to do anything I want to do. Somebody says, preacher, can you do anything you want to do since you've been saved? I drink all the liquor I want to drink. I drink it all I want to drink. Boy, what are you doing, pastor, in a Baptist church? Don't you know it's wrong to drink liquor? I didn't say it's wrong to drink liquor. I said, I drank all the liquor I want to drink. From these lips, I've never touched it. In my 77 years of living, and most of being biggest Christian. doesn't make me any better than anybody else, but I've never touched it. I've smelt it. I've been around it. I've smelt it on some of you. Sickening. You ever think people get so drunk and fall in their vomit? That's what I want. Get so drunk, just vomit everywhere and fall in and water in it. That's a good Christian life. No, Christians may do it sometime, but they're not going to be satisfied living in that state. They want to be sanctified by the grace of God. Well, what's it going to say? Ride the altar if you have to. Be on the altar every time the service opens. You say, I've been on the altar so many times, people are going to think off on me. The Lord says, Come. There's something about just settling things and getting right with God and staying as close to God as you can. I've been justified, I've been sanctified. But the third thing is one day we'll be glorified. In the eyes of God, I've already been glorified. Romans chapter 8. I've been justified, sanctified, and glorified in the eyes of God. But one day, oh glory, hallelujah, if I were Pentecostal, I'd speak in tongues. One of these days, this body's going to be glorified. As I said a while ago. And I'll drop all the robe of flesh beside me. And all these things that hold me back. And all these things that I don't particularly care for. But I'm going to have a brand new body like the part of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of our church families went through sickness and trials and heartaches. And I confess to you, I've been through the toughest days of my life. Sometimes folks ask me how I'm doing. Sometimes I don't know how I'm doing. I don't know how to put it in words. But I'm grateful for God's faithfulness. And I'm glad one day the old body not ache with pain again. I'm glad one day the last pill I'll ever take. One day the last doctor I ever see, One day the last copay I'll ever pay. That's enough to make you get revived, just go please. Somebody say, how many doctors you got? Seven doctors. Go back this week for some more tests. I don't know what they're trying to find. I don't know if they experiment me. usually used to be for science or what. But every time I go in, they want to do one more test, one more test. I'm about through with the test. I'm going to start doctoring myself. I may be getting granny on the Beverly bill to come and do it. I appreciate doctors, I appreciate the medicine, but all healing comes from God. And I wait upon the Lord. And you, you, you fight battles and you, you want to you do well. You want to live the Christian life. You want to please the Lord. And the devil says, won't you just throw in the towel? You can't, you can't articulate it. You can't get it out. I'll leave that with God. And I'll leave that with you. All I can say is I'm one day and the mind of God's already been done, but one day I shall be glorified. What's that mean? I'm going to look just like the Lord Jesus Christ. I know not what I shall be like, but I know that when I see him, I shall see him and I'll behold him and I'll be just like him. Predestined from the foundation of the world to be conformed to the image of God's dear son. That's God's plan. I'm through, justified, sanctified, glorified. It's great to be a Christian. Let's don't drift. If you're drifting, come to the altar. If there's something in your life that's not right, get it settled today. If there's something you need to pray about with somebody else, get it right today. Let's live the Christian life, cross-like, that will please and glorify Him all the days of our life. Let's stand together.